Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 37 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. My name is Neil. I'll be joined later by my co-host Mike Lane. But today, I'm going to be reading all the back of the cases before the episode. Since we're covering nine games in total, we thought it would be easier to read them all now and get them out of the way. Today, the episode is all about Nickelodeon games. Now, this doesn't include SpongeBob, since we're going to be giving him his very own episode. This covers a bunch of other Nickelodeon games from the 2000s that uh, were on the GameCube. And the 2000s were a very interesting time for Nickelodeon. The 80s and 90s shows were in syndication, and the 2010s, which Nickelodeon, we don't really like to talk about that, had not started yet. It was a pretty cool time, not the best of all the decades, I think. We'll talk about that later. But without further ado, let's read the back of these cases. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. First up, we have Nickelodeon, Rocket Power, Beach Bandits. Totally extreme. School's out, and the Rocket Power kids are ready to have the most extreme summer yet. No better way to get the good times rolling than hitting the beach and watching the annual Ocean Shores Surf Classic. But wait! Someone's stolen the sand from the beach, and the contest is cancelled. Now it's up to Otto, Twister, Reggie, and Sam to find out who's stolen the sand and wrecked their summer. Next up, we have Nickelodeon Rugrats Royal Ransom. It's adventure time. Test your skills in an adventure-filled game as you help the Rugrats rescue their royal ransom. The Rugrats will face mysterious knights, capture rowdy monkeys, and race crocodiles down twisting rivers, tame wild dinosaurs, and much more on a mission to reclaim their most prized possessions. Next up, we have Nickelodeon Party Blast. Get ready, it's the wildest party ever. Choose your favorite Nicktoon star and let the multiplayer mayhem begin. Lob food at Tommy, race auto rocket down rapids, shoot hoops and pull tricks wearing inline skates, blast goose at SpongeBob SquarePants, and a whole lot more. It's round after round of insane competitive action. Next up, we have Fairly Odd Parents breaking da rules. Be careful what you wish for. Cosmo and Wanda have lost a rules book and need Timmy Turner to get it back. With chaos at every turn, Timmy's got to use his wishes wisely to ultimately defeat the one person he dreads the most, Vicky. Next up, we have the sequel to Fairly Odd Parents Break Into Rules. We have Shadow Showdown. Things are about to get really odd. A creepy feeling surrounds Dimsdale, leading Cosmo, Wanda, and Timmy to journey into the deserted fairy world. Equipped with the most awesome wishes, the trio begins their journey to uncover a mysterious villain that nobody could have suspected. Then we have Dora the Explorer, Journey to the Purple Planet. Blast off for an outer space adventure with Dora and Boots to help them return their space creature friends to the Purple Planet. Viamonos, let's go. Next up, we have Nicktoons Unite. The battle is on. SpongeBob, Jimmy, Timmy, and Danny must combine their powers to defeat the evil syndicate and destroy the devastating doomsday device. It's good versus evil, where only one team of Nicktoons will prevail. Next up, we have Avatar, The Last Airbender. Play as Aang, Katara, Haru, and Sokka. Hope I got those right. As you grow your team into an unstoppable force, bring to life an adventure of intrigue, deception, and revelation that exposes an even greater threat than the Fire Nation. Master the Elements. And finally, we have Nicktoons Battle for Volcano Island. The fate of Volcano Island is in your hands. An ancient evil known as Maugu threatens to take control of Volcano Island. Join SpongeBob, Timmy Turner, and Danny Phantom, along with new recruits Patrick Starr, Sandy Cheeks, and Samantha Manson for an all-out battle on Volcano Island. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes the back of the case segment for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to all that. I enjoy doing these. But now, on to episode 37. Thank you so much for the support, and enjoy the show. Mike and Neil, take it away. 
Uncharted GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, uh, so I think the reason that I still live at home is because YTV just told me, don't go anywhere, SpongeBob will be right back, and uh, I just never left. <laughs> hey, it's me. It's your TV. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go outside. <laughs> the house hippo is all over North America. Those are the those are the ads, man. Those are the ads from back in the day. What a time. I, I'm really curious. Maybe listeners can help enlighten us, but were those ads also in the US? I feel like they weren't. I feel like those are Canadian ads. I don't think so, because right now, Mike, as you know, TikTok is all the rage. And <laughs> a lot of TikTok is just millennials and Gen Zs going to war with each other. And it's very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But you also occasionally see things like, oh, back in the day, our 90s kids will only remember this. And sometimes you'll see Canadian 90s kids will only remember this. And it's that, those ads of like house hippos and the TV talking and those keep fit, have fun ads. I don't know about the War Amps ads. Do you remember those? Uh, the ones where like, it's like showing the lawnmower over and over again. Yeah. And like there's a robot that gets his arm cut off. But, yeah. Like, he can grow back. You can't. These like really creepy ads about losing limbs. I remember vividly the ice cream truck ad where the, the kid is, is chasing the ice cream truck, but he's too fat. And so he can't get it. He wasn't even that fat. I was a fat kid, and that kid was in shape <laughs> compared to me. There was that. There was actually three of those ads. There was the ice cream yep. truck one. There mm-hmm. was the one where the kid loses his Pokemon card. There were uh, so many like uh, <laughs> theories. This was one of the first schoolyard <laughs> theories for me as a kid. Was what card did he unwrap? And everyone is what people I were like. Heard. The kids that had like the good TVs actually froze their screens <laughs> and did zoom ins. Like this didn't exist back then, so everyone was like, "Yeah, whatever." But like apparently it was. It was either Blastoise or Charizard. You had to assume. Mm-hmm. What was the third? one is that the one he's running from girls yes yeah okay and it's in french or this is that song in french oh, no it's in italian it's italian okay yeah. <laughs> they're so close yeah those ads were classic dude so yeah. so tied to nickelodeon in general and just that era of growing mm-hmm. up like i know nickelodeon and tv like kids cartoons kind of had different eras i mean neil you and i didn't really grow up in like 80s and early 90s cartoons right we still watch things like the bugs bunny and tweety show though uh which we're constantly on and uh probably one of my favorite things scooby-doo was one of my favorite things i watched spider-man uh shows on all the time yeah i think that we can thank our parents for that too my parents made did a really good job of introducing us to cartoons and and not making us watch these things but if they were on they would sit and watch them with us just to like say oh you know we watched the jetsons when we were your age so that that helped a lot too but yeah syndication was a huge thing that just didn't exist until the 90s i think and by the time we were old enough to really appreciate cartoons and tv shows i think that we got that really good sweet spot of we were just seeing the end run of a lot of the 80s nickelodeon shows and definitely the 90s uh Nickelodeon shows were in full syndication, like the Rugrats and end of the 90s SpongeBob. But mm-hmm. uh, Doug was also on there a lot. But mm-hmm. we got the uh, the 2000s, which I mean, we're biased because we're we say we're 90s kids. But you and I, we really kind of we we remember the 2000s probably a lot stronger than the 90s. Sure. But I, I think that's really the last great decade of good cartoons on Nickelodeon. Again, I, I don't have kids in the 2010s. I didn't watch any of the new cartoons on Nickelodeon in the 2010s. I don't feel like that the quality or the nostalgia is going to be as fondly remembered in that decade as the 80s through to the early 2000s is. 
Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And uh, I mean, again, yeah, we're biased. But yeah. but you know what thing I don't know, Neil, and what? I don't understand? Well, you don't understand is interlocking brick driveways in Canada. How did you know I wanted to talk about that? Okay, that kind of <laughs> took us off our topic now. But anyway, yeah. Why do people in Canada have interlocking brick driveways? Well, it's, you know what? I have no idea. And you know what the worst part is too, is not just interlocking brick driveways, but when certain streets in Canada are interlocked bricks. I mean, like in like Montreal, like in. Oh no, I, I'm I'm thinking like in Forest Hill in Toronto. There's a couple of streets that you know Forest oh, Hill, the yeah. rich, one of the rich areas of Toronto. Uh, there's a couple of streets that have these these red interlocking brick mm-hmm. roads that are you know obviously have just become destroyed with one winter. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing on driveways. Like you have a shovel, it maybe you have a shovel, it just wrecks your back. If you hit a brick <laughs> that's just a half a centimeter up too much, you just jam it and it hurts. I'm guessing that the rich neighborhoods would just put the bricks in to avoid cyclists from going through. Mm, Yeah, I could see that. It would keep out cyclists for sure. But I don't know why. It makes sense in countries that don't get snow and ice. But as soon as you start getting snow and ice, just pave your driveway. (laughs) Neil, do you know anyone who waters their driveway? What? No. That's a thing. So (laughs) What does that mean? That's a – that is a definitely kind of – it's it's usually like the old European men – uh, uh. <laughs> who go and water their driveways. <laughs> shirtless. <laughs> yes. uh, is there any other way? Obviously shirtless. <laughs> and they have a watch on for some reason. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure people out there can picture picture the image that we're giving you right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a shirtless old, uh, you know, probably maybe Italian, Greek man out there. Uh, no watering. earlier than 6, 6 a.m., no later than 10 a.m. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> out there watering the driveway. I, I grew up in Etobicoke. Uh, and Etobicoke is, uh, I kind of grew up in the poorer area of Etobicoke, so is us, and a lot of uh, Portuguese and Polish families around us. Okay. And I remember, you know, forever, uh, these old men were oh, would get up in the morning and they would water their driveways. <laughs> this is a real thing. This is 100% a real thing. I, I do have video evidence of, of uh, people watering their driveways on certain uh uh, shows back from uh, the 90s so it, it did happen I'm you not have crazy. video evidence of this that <laughs> video evidence that's intense well mike i mean i know that you grew up in etobicoke and etobicoke is very well known for sandstorms so i can see why you'd have to constantly be <laughs> water All right, now you're watering the driveway the, the the intent is that you're clearing it of debris from <laughs> said sandstorms and grenades going off in etobicoke is that why i guess so and also clearing it off from the hit song sandstorm Ah, okay, that makes sense. And like, and... <laughs> Ooh, that's a great song. <laughs> Did you know that friend of the show, Harrison, uh, he likes to uh, claim that he is famous for one reason, and it is for starting a petition on change.org to change the <laughs> national anthem of Canada <laughs> to, to Sandstorm. <laughs> It hasn't been uh, it hasn't been successful yet. It but got they like did... five thousand signatures. That's too many. <laughs> Jeez. All right, Mike, before we start the show for real, I need you to quickly answer one question for me. Top five Nickelodeon shows. Go. Oh, my goodness, Neil. Well, SpongeBob, obviously, is number one. Is that one. number one for you, SpongeBob? Easily number one. Yeah, me too. SpongeBob from 1999 until season three, we like to consider the movie being kind of the end of the heyday of SpongeBob for the most part. Uh, SpongeBob, longest running, one of the longest running cartoons of all time, 1999 to 2021. Still running. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yep. What's number two then? Fairly Odd Parents, for sure. Yeah, nice. Just such a great show, great writing, great guests, great everything. 
Yep. Again, Fairly Odd Parents had a very different era where it ran from 2001 to 2006. I'm, I'm assuming that's the era that you're talking about. It did have a reboot in the 2010s. Oh, God. Yeah, like 2014 to 2017, I think. It had some new ones. They were not great. But it did have that live-action movie starring Drake Bell. Do you remember that one? We watched that one drunk at your house in, yeah. in uh, college. Yeah, it's probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. Jason Alexander's in it, though, so that gives it some points. <laughs> that Fairly Odd Parents would be my number three. I'd give my number two to – or uh, you know Maybe we'll just go in order. What's your number three? My number three is Hey Arnold. Uh, I think that's one of the best written shows ever. Uh, mm. It's so well done. It's also the only show I've ever seen – or one of the only shows I've ever seen that uh, kind of shows kids growing up in like a poor neighborhood mm-hmm. um, and, you know, almost like disenfranchised. And also, fun fact, Hey Arnold is not from the perspective of Arnold. It's from the perspective of Helga. That's right. Because she's the only one with the internal monologues. That's right. Yeah. I love that part of Hey Arnold. Okay. So what's your number four? Uh, my number four would, I, I got to check with you, is the Wild Thornberries Nickelodeon? Oh, yeah. Okay, yep. then that's number four. I love the Wild Thornberries. Uh, Tim Curry, mm. uh, legendary icon Tim Curry as the dad. Yes, smashing. <laughs> and Flea as uh, as the kid. What a random person to pick as a voice actor. That's <laughs> like Vin, That's like almost as random as Vin Diesel voice acting the giant and Iron he Giant. he never says anything either. No, exactly. You could have done anybody, but you picked the bassist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers to voice this weird, what is his name, Donnie, the younger brother? <laughs> I think it's Donnie, yeah. Yeah, that's a great show too. Okay, and uh, your fifth favorite Nickelodeon show. It's, I mean, there's a lot that could go in, in there, but I'd say probably Rugrats just because okay. it's so iconic and so well done and, and watching some footage before this week to kind of refresh my memory of it. I was like, wow, this show is actually really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it stands up too. It's good to see a show that kind of dealt with different issues as opposed to just random cartoon things that just kind of get. Chucky's mom dying. And like the. uh, Vietnam War. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a, uh, you know, like his dad getting remarried. Uh, I just, one thing I remember is that there was a lot of like, they talked about, you know, Jewish holidays and stuff like that a lot in it, which I really never saw in a show other than maybe Arthur. And, of course, Seinfeld. (laughs) Of course, the kids show Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) It's a kids show to me, damn it. (laughs) All right, now, what are your top five? That's a good list. My my top five, of course, number one, just like you, was SpongeBob. Uh, the original run up into from season one to the movie is just amazing cartoon, Mm -hmm. uh, cartooning, uh, if that's even a word. My number two is Drake and Josh. Okay, yeah, I actually forgot about Drake and Josh. I was just thinking cartoons, but yeah, you're totally right. Me too. I actually have another live action show. I completely forgot about Hey Arnold. Now I feel like an idiot. But my number three was, uh, oh, Drake and Josh, by the way, 2004 to 2007. I thought it was way earlier than that, but apparently it's a mid 2000s show. Uh, Fairly Odd Parents was my number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four for me was Rugrats. Nice. Uh, early 90s show, classic. I saw it in syndication in the late 90s, early 2000s, up to the movies. And then All Grown Up came out years later, but we don't really talk too much about that. No. And then my number five is actually a show called Are You Afraid of the Dark? I don't know that show. It's oh. basically like the Goosebumps, also like Stephen King kind of stories. They're, they're spooky stories, obviously. Uh, I, I watched that show every night. It was on the dark corner on YTV. So it was yeah. right around uh, Goosebumps and uh, Freaky Stories. And Are You Afraid of the Dark would be on too. It ran from 1990 to 1996. And hmm. it was really interesting. Canadian show. So highly recommend that those five. Very cool. Thanks for – I had never heard of Are You Afraid of the Dark, but I want to look that up now. Yeah. Nickelodeon has so many shows and it's a history of just – 
cartoons, game shows, live action shows, sitcoms like Drake and Josh and iCarly and stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, really fun to just talk. I feel like everyone has their favorite Nickelodeon shows from their childhood. It's kind of like getting ready for a job interview. You just have those <laughs> answers ready to go, you know? Yeah, someone's going to ask you that in a job interview one day. Come on. Oh, it's going to happen. It's got to. It's got to. <laughs> Well, Mike, while we wait for that eventual job interview to happen for someone to ask us about Nickelodeon games and uh, shows, uh, let's talk about that Direct that just happened, the Nintendo Direct. First one since 2019, so it's been almost, what, like 16 months since the last one, so it's been quite the drought. Uh, What did you think about today's Direct? Uh, Quite a bit of news, quite a bit of stuff there that I personally didn't care about, but... uh... (laughs) (laughs) A lot of anime, uh, as as we know. A lot of RPGs, seems like RPGs are the big thing right now for Nintendo, uh, especially like kind of re-release releasing some old ones but uh i thought we were going to see a brand new rpg and so did friend of the show's after with the xenoblade ah. uh uh trailer and then all of a sudden it's not xenoblade it's the smash character did, did Zaf- i mean zaffir i knew that he was gonna love that i didn't even have to look at our group chat to know he was obviously losing his mind with that uh <laughs> pira and mithra in smash yes uh, yeah. yeah big big news i suppose i'm getting really tired of uh not that there's anything not that there's anything wrong with that but yes anime swordsman <laughs> and smash is, is getting very yep. exhausting they look like fire emblem characters to me they sound like yep. fire emblem characters with mithra is basically marth but uh <laughs> yeah uh new new characters coming to smash i'm not going to buy them i don't know are you going to buy those mike i guess i, I already have the fighters pack oh. so they 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 come with the pack true I, is that fighters pack too yeah. Okay, I haven't bought that one yet, so that's fair. And then, of course, they come with their own little stage, which I guess is from a Xenoblade game. It sounds like Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. talking. <laughs> that's what I thought. But yeah, I guess that's... Yeah, with the dragon. Yeah, exactly. But I guess that's some big news for the uh, Fire Emblem fan, or sorry, Xenoblade fans out there. Uh, <laughs> and then it was just a bunch of games that I personally didn't so much care about. I know Fall Guys was announced. Um, Outer Worlds was announced in there, so that's all very exciting. But uh, we got uh, Monster Hunter 2, which I, you know, fans care about. Uh, but we got a Mario Golf announcement finally. Yeah, the first Mario Golf game since the GameCube. Mm-hmm. So that, there's some GameCube that, news for you. Not... I was trying to play my GameCube bingo when ah. I was uh, watching the Direct to, to see if any GameCube related <laughs> news would have come up. Uh, I didn't do too well. I did not win. Ah. I can, I can see no, that. No, you're not going to in 2021, <laughs> a GameCube trivia. That's not the first. There's been Mario Golf since then. There was one on 3DS. Uh, sorry, home console. Oh, okay. Yeah, first home console. Yeah, a real one. Sure. Well, the 3DS one was good, but yeah, I know what you're saying. There was one on yeah. N64, GameCube, and then uh, there's one on Game Boy Advance, too. I think Game Boy Color had one. So, yeah, that's going to be exciting. I mean, it looked a lot like the Mario Tennis game that came out two or three years ago now. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be fun, but I have a feeling it's not going to stick around uh, as long as the Mario Golf did on GameCube. Something about it just seemed kind of sterile, like like the Mario Tennis. It was fun for a few weeks, and then it kind of just, I forgot about it. Okay, what about Wario's outfit, though? I didn't even notice. What was he wearing? I might have... Oh my god, he uh, he he had a great golf uh, oh, outfit. All we'll, we'll we'll post the we'll post the story of uh, <laughs> of of Wario's uh, new outfit because he looks dashing. Oh, perfect! In that golf outfit. I'm glad that they updated the, the outfits. Though that's key because really, what more can you do? It's golf. It's a very chill game. I love Mario Golf. <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun. I will be buying it 100. I will pick that game up at some point. Me too. Because I, I do love the the golf games in Mario, but other games that came uh came our way in the direct uh we had a Star Wars Hunters game yeah. that was kind of like an Overwatch style ish game uh didn't show too much of that they had the No More Heroes yep uh trailer mm-hmm. um wish wish we could have gotten a bit more on that it was almost it was only like a minute and a half a minute um and it's such a cool and unique aesthetic and I personally love 
No More it Heroes. It looks very exciting. No More Heroes 3 uh, with odd jobs as well, which love that aspect of the game. That, well, so that's that's the aspect that's in all the I games. I figured it wasn't new. It's yeah. an interesting concept. I, I like it. I think it's kind of funny. It, it's really <laughs> funny because it's, it's supposed to, you know, No More Heroes is supposed to make fun of, you know, that kind of genre. Mm-hmm. So they like to put in uh, games like that. And then they also always tie in some retro games right. uh, in it right. as well. That's coming out August 27th, so I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of that probably in the summertime, around June, July, with whatever E3 is going to look like this year. I'm assuming they're going to have much more to talk about then. There was also a random game thrown in there, which is called Stubbs the Zombie Rebel Without a Pulse, which is coming out very soon on March 16th. Uh, the only reason I found that interesting was because Stubbs the Zombie is a Microsoft franchise on Xbox. So just a random game that Nintendo's getting. Obviously, Microsoft and Nintendo, that partnership is getting weirder by the day. Uh, But hey, we're uh, we're, we're getting uh, some games from it, so I guess it's okay. Uh, There was some Animal Crossing news in there for Mario's, what, 35th anniversary. They're going to be releasing a whole bunch of Animal Crossing uh, skins and uh, items in the game. And and a lot of, and like features. The fact that you can teleport with the pipe Mm -hmm. and just like... You know, at first you look at it, you're like, oh, just, you know, Mario skins on free Animal Crossing, whatever. But it's like a massive, massive update for this yeah. game that's adding in all these new play, like new gameplay, really. And they're classic Nintendo move. They're releasing it in like a week mm-hmm. and it's a free update. So I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but it's really cool. Very so smart. I'm glad they're Very doing smart it. move. I was, I was happy to see that. I'm not an Animal Crossing fan, but I love it when like in the GameCube version of Animal Crossing, they threw in those random NES games. This is kind yeah. of that version of it. Uh, we didn't get yeah. full games, but it's still something interesting for the uh, Animal Crossing fans. There's almost 30 million players out there. So <laughs> glad that they're getting something. There was a random <laughs> RPG there, not random, but uh, an RPG that looks beautiful it's from the makers of octopath traveler and it's called uh, oh yes continuing with the the worst names <laughs> on the planet uh, i loved it it's called uh, what project triangle strategy uh it was coming out in 2022 or project triangle strat uh it says working title i guarantee you that is the final title <laughs> yeah yeah you don't put a demo out with a working title no let me tell and you and they said that with the octopath traveler too and everyone was like surely they'll change the name <laughs> before switch even came out remember that was on the the launch event yeah Project right. Octopath Traveler. And then there was a whole lot of games that I, frankly, did not really care about. <laughs> nope, neither did okay. I. So we can kind of skip right a, right on down to the final game. Two games. Uh, final two games, yes, that uh, that came sure. out. First one, obviously, was uh, Skyward Sword mm-hmm. um, HD Remaster. This has been rumored forever. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> honestly, probably since it came out. <laughs> uh, and... I'm really excited, Neil, because I don't like that game, but I do really want to play it with no motion controls. Yes, that is going to be a huge thing. I don't know if, if you buy it, I'll borrow it from you. I have that game on Wii and I just... I might buy okay, it. Okay, I'll let you buy it. I remember playing that game. I think it took me close to 50 hours to beat, which is about 15, 20 to 15, 15 to 20 hours too long for a GameCube game or a Wii game, sorry. I remember just playing it in college and like every weekend I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to finish it this weekend. (laughs) Okay. I'm definitely going to finish it this weekend. And it just never ended (laughs) and it wasn't fun after a certain point. So I'm looking forward to hearing your, your opinion on the game because it's, it's Mm -hmm. by far my least favorite 3d Zelda game. So I'm not going to spend money on it again. The joy cons look very neat. I'll give them that. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not really need a Zelda remake, I feel like. I mean, Wind Waker would have been my... I wanted Wind yeah. Waker uh, on the Switch. <laughs> I don't know what I think about a Wind Waker remake anymore, because we've had a remake already on 
Wii U, we had it on. I just want a port of Wind Waker on Wii U on the Switch because I don't have like me and the rest of the world doesn't have a Wii U. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it is. It is stranded on Wii U hardware, which is a shame because it is such a great yeah. remake. I, I don't know if I'd buy it again. Again, I don't. I can't keep buying the same games two, three times over. <laughs> it's getting exhausting. But I do hope that that game gets off of the Wii U because it needs it. It's such a good yes. time. And then finally, we had uh, Splatoon 3, which is which was announced. Uh, Splatoon 1, obviously a huge Wii U franchise, if, there, if there's such a thing, which came <laughs> out in uh, the 2015, 2016 era of the Wii U, when it was like kind of going down at that point. I remember loving the original Splatoon. I was addicted to that yeah. game. You may remember, Mike. And uh, Splatoon 2, great uh, Switch game, came out around launch. So this one looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. This one, Splatoon 2, is basically just like a DLC yeah. <laughs> deluxe version of one, uh, where this one looks very different. That they're, they're adding in a lot of stuff. It looks like there's going to be a story mode mm-hmm. um, yep. that you'll be able to play. Uh, and I love the aesthetic. I love the atmosphere. I, I like that they're taking a lot of um, aspects from other games, such as like Apex Legends, in terms of like dropping into a zone or right. dropping into a map. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're going to do it in the right way. Uh, I think Nintendo is putting a lot of money and effort into Splatoon, yep. knowing that it's a it's actually a huge franchise. It is, yeah, so. especially overseas out east. Uh, they love it in Japan and uh, and all those countries there. Um, I I love the aesthetic of Splatoon. The best part of Splatoon is the multiplayer. Everyone's always asking for single player modes and and whatnot, but the multiplayer levels of just playing 4v4, covering the map with as much of your paint as you possibly can, it's such an addicting gameplay loop. I remember playing that game for hours back in 2016, and you're right, Splatoon 2 felt like a DLC pack for folks that played Splatoon 1, I think. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how different this one is, now being three years removed from Splatoon 2. Uh, Very excited to, uh, to see what that game looks like i'm just a little bit upset mike that it's been about six years since the first splatoon and now we have splatoon 3 it's been about 20 years since the first pikmin and uh (laughs) we still only have three pikmin games so something's got to give here there's a lot of issues there but i'm glad that we did get a direct uh, uh, you know eventually we did get something so that was good and we got some good announcements and uh, a friend of the john a friend of the show uh john (laughs) friend Friend of the the john John show it's late (laughs) friend of the john show uh he he made a good good point when the Splatoon three um, uh, shot of the city mm-hmm. came up uh, in the direct, and he was like, "Wow, this already looks better than Cyberpunk." Yeah, that's so. true. It's a good point. <laughs> they do make a good neon city there with their squid people, and I and I love their little uh, digital shorts or their trailers with the, uh, the oh yeah the squid kids sitting on the train and just this this like overweight fish standing on the train. I <laughs> yeah. love that. I miss that part of cities with just like there's more than enough seats available, but there's still one guy that chooses to stand on the train. <laughs> Uh, so good but there were a few think games missing other than i mean there was pokemon snap news nothing there mario kart 9 missing pikmin 4 i'm gonna stand by that that news was missing and we didn't hear anything from metroid uh metroid prime 4 which doesn't surprise oh, me that game's not coming <laughs> out for a decade so uh and then they did give us the update that breath of the wild is a lot breath of the wild 2 is alive and well and uh, should be coming out some point later yep yeah, i mean i would estimate it comes out probably uh q q1 q2 of 2022 which is the same time when uh breath of the wild came out um in 2017 so that would be five years removed which is pretty standard Mm -hmm. life cycle for a zelda game so uh yeah i would say so yeah i I think that would be a great uh great thing to see the switch is about halfway through its life cycle now nintendo has said that so if we see another three years of the switch i would love to see breath of the wild 2 within the next year or two i'm willing to wait about two years for that all in all though a very exciting direct 
yeah, great direct. Uh, well, great to have a direct. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike. I think before we get started, it's time for our favorite new segment. Time for the mailbag. mailbag. All right, Mike. Let's do our positive review for the day. Sweet. You got one for us, Neil? I do. Where is it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a look it? in your mailbag. Hold on. Let yeah. Me... All right. I thought I. Where the hell did I copy this thing? Uh, oh, the British Columbia one, right? So this one comes from Derek from New Westminster, British Columbia on Instagram. Derek says, Hi guys, sweet podcast. Recently inherited a Wii, had one back in the day, and I remembered, hey, this thing plays GameCube games too. So I started digging around, reading retro reviews, etc., and I thought, I wonder if there's a dedicated GameCube podcast out there. Nah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> Lo and behold, I did search on Stitcher and found your podcast, and very happy I did. I'm combing through your small but ever-growing catalog of episodes, and I'm enjoying the nostalgic vices of the early 2000s. Keep up the good work. Wow, that's... I'm really touched by that. That's amazing to hear, Derek. Thank you so much for that. All the way from British Columbia. And thank you so much for combing through our early episodes because those are rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're, you know, we're getting a good catalog going. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for him to be able to listen to the full thing. And, uh, and yeah, maybe he'll be able to get a game every time we, uh, uh, every time we bring up a new one. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe Let's see. listen to our recommendations. Exactly. Let, let's see if we can get him to buy another one this week. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 37 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. If you haven't already, take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave us ratings and reviews to help others find the show, just like Derek did. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. Visit thegamecubewascool.com. Check out all the things we've been working on. Episodes available to download, read some articles that we wrote, and explore our lovely store. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's you. Last week, we covered The Sims. It was a lot of fun. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. But this week, we're obviously covering Nickelodeon games on the GameCube. Minus, of course, the SpongeBob games. Those are going to be getting their own episode. And Jimmy Neutron. And Jimmy Neutron, sure. Yeah, I guess th- those two characters will show their face today on other games. But yeah, SpongeBob and Jimmy Neutron, they're getting their own day. Uh, Mike, today is a THQ extravaganza of games. We got nine games to talk about today. And uh, I think all, if not, yeah, I think all of them are published by THQ. <laughs> yeah, THQ, this was like, I mean, I think every kid from this era knows THQ for these kind of games for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I'm not really sure how they got into it. I may, Neil, you might be able to enlighten me, but uh, I just forever have associated that logo with uh, SpongeBob and yep. Fairly Odd Parents and anything else. Yeah, the little robot with the THQ logo is so iconic. With any kind of licensed tie-in from this generation, if if you were a kid in the 2000s who had a Game Boy Advance or a GameCube, the odds are you knew or had several THQ games in your catalog. So THQ, uh, I think we talked about the company a little while back, but for the new listeners, uh, they're an American, or they were an American video game company based in Agora Hills, California. They were founded in 1990, and they created a few series on their own, like Darksiders, De Blob, Destroy All Humans, several others, but they they were mainly known for their exclusive uh, long-term licensing agreements with sports and entertainment games. Um, There's also Disney, DreamWorks Animation, Nickelodeon, Pixar, and WWE games, which they published and developed. Uh, after years of financial struggles, though, uh, their stock value dropped and they went into serious debt. There was no Reddit back then to, to uh, dig them out like the, we see right now with GameStop. Uh, so THQ <laughs> filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in December 2012, um, and they uh, liquidated all their assets the following month. 
Now, the THQ trademark, you may actually see it pop up from time to time today uh, because they were acquired by Nordic Games, uh, which uh, had acquired THQ's auctioned off properties one by one. They just put out a Destroy All Humans uh, remake. I think that's out now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they now go by the name THQ Nordic. So you may see games published by THQ Nordic now, which is kind of like the THQ 2.0 of the 2020s, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. the closest thing we're going to get to THQ. Yeah, and we're starting to see remakes come out, like Battle yeah. for Bikini Bottom. We got that last year. So just random trickle of games coming out, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're talking today about Nickelodeon games on the console. Uh, like, you know, Mike and I talked up front, Nickelodeon, a huge part of our childhood and most kids' childhoods from almost every decade going back from the 80s. Uh, Nickelodeon was first uh, came out in December of 1977. Uh, it was tested then and it officially launched in 1979. Obviously, oh, it's always been targeted towards uh, t- children and teens. And uh, of course, the characters have appeared on so many different things like movies, uh, t- other TV shows, music videos, food products, etc. And of course, it's home to classics that we're going to be talking about today, like SpongeBob, mm-hmm. but there's also like Doug, Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life. And, uh, and of course, the shows like uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark and Drake and Josh. Now, do you know what a Nickelodeon actually is, Neil? Uh, Nickelodeon is the old term for a movie. Am I correct? Yeah, it was the well, so it was basically the old movie theaters before really even before feature films existed. Mm. Uh, it was these little boxes, basically, that you would go and you would put a nickel in. And right. you would put your eyes to it and and kind of watch the the short. It was like yeah, they were basically not cartoons necessarily, but they were usually these short little uh, little movies that you could watch for a nickel. And they cost a nickel. Yeah, that's it's a neat it's a neat uh, neat company name. I I love Nickelodeon. They're just so so iconic with our childhood. But uh, I think it's a good time, Mike. Now that we started talking about some of the games on the GameCube, what do you think? And we actually have some guests on today, which is really exciting because Neil and I don't know a whole lot about. Uh, these games we were more spongebob game uh kids yeah all right and our first caller today is going to be a friend of the show dan talking about rocket power beach bandits and now dan what is your favorite nickelodeon show that's a toughie um (laughs) so i I can hear him googling nickelodeon shows going into that (laughs) i was thinking like angry beavers or Mm. rugrats but i think I think it has to be Hey Arnold for me. There's just something yeah. special about Hey Arnold, and I feel like it's also aged pretty well. Mm-hmm. It has, um, yeah. So I'm going to have to go with Hey Arnold because jazz. Oh, man. The music in <laughs> yeah. Hey Arnold is amazing. Uh, I I watched or listened to a podcast once with um, with the guy, I forget his name, who did the music for it, and mm-hmm. it's just so interesting hearing him uh, talk about it because he was so surprised that they wanted him for it. They're like, are you sure? Are you mixing me up with someone? <laughs> it's like it's like Phil Collins making the Tarzan soundtrack. Same idea where it's like, you know, you don't have to do this much work into this uh, product. But, hey, it worked. The music yeah, is yeah. very good in Hey Arnold. Good call out to Angry Beavers, too. Mike and I yeah, did not. Yeah, wow. We did not even think about that earlier. Yeah, I think it was Norm MacDonald as one of the beavers. Am I right yes, about he that? Yes, Right? Yeah. 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 No. I'm glad Norm MacDonald is coming up a couple of times in this episode already. <laughs> but no, we brought Dan on today to talk about uh, Rocket Power Beach Bandits, which, which was released on September 24th, 2002, developed by Evolution Games, published by THQ. It's also on PlayStation 2 and Game Boy Advance. It's around $15 today. Now, it rates about a 6 out of 10, meaning the game is uh, somewhat critically 
not good. I mean, good, somewhat average. Uh, but Dan, you, you actually average. have very fond memories of this game from back in the day. Did you watch Rocket Power? Is that how you uh, got influenced to pick up the game? So yeah, I watched I watched Rocket Power, um, like when mm-hmm. it was on, kind of thing. Um, I like I I enjoyed the show, and as someone who like didn't know anything about California, like <laughs> yeah, I, 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 a lot of my understanding as a kid came from like Rocket Power. It's <laughs> just like oh, like boardwalks and like forest areas. That's cool. That's yeah, that's that is California. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Rocket Power is so funny because it's, you know, it aired on Nickelodeon from 99 to 2004. And obviously it was all about kind of extreme sports culture, uh, a lot of that style, you know, beach culture as well with California. And that, you know, very, that culture that we talk about a lot in this, uh, in this podcast because of so many extreme sports games Mm -hmm. um, and tie-ins really lived and died in that era of 99 to 2004. So it's, uh, so I think Rocket Power is what did it. <laughs> Single handedly. It started it. Yeah, it started it and it ended it. Yeah, so Dan, did, did you, sorry. Did, I was going to say, did you play those types of games like Tony Hawk? Because this is kind of like a skateboarding surfing game. I mean, it's very cartoony because like you, you go up, you do a trick and you kind of float in midair, which was an interesting choice <laughs> for a mechanic where you kind of go off a ramp, you can pause in midair, do a bunch of kick flips and spin tricks and then land, which was interesting. Not exactly a realistic Tony Hawk style game. So was this, was this your main sports game of choice? I grew up playing the Tony Hawk games because like mm-hmm. in our area, who didn't like that was, right. that was like the like extreme sport game. But honestly, I wouldn't even call this a sports game. It's like, mm. it's a platformer. Like through and through. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's so the majority is like you know you're 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 walking through like the different areas of the game. Uh, and you you collect these coins and do different challenges like where people will uh, ask you to do something and solve some kind of local problem. Uh, yeah. All the solutions are, are like you know skateboarding or hockey stick based. <laughs> of course, <laughs> conveniently <laughs> enough. That's as a kid. That's the only solution you need. So those those right. are the tools you have as a as a, as a child, uh, and it's just very convenient that Californian problems uh, are solved by these uh, tools. But yeah, so you do the different challenges in the areas uh, and unlock new areas when you do the collectibles uh, part of the game, and very very seldom in it is like the skateboarding. Like you'll have like oh I'm gonna challenge you to skateboarding and yeah the kids are somehow like have control over physics. Uh, to to an inhuman degree, uh, and are able to accomplish like oh yeah, let me just do like a seven twenty, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> it pause time. What's actually kind of cool is the the inline skating that they have in it, where you can do like tricks and mm. stuff like with your roller skates, mm-hmm. like just basically how you would do it with a skateboard, except you just don't have a skateboard instead. <laughs> which like I don't think I've ever seen that in a game. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. I uh, I I really like that part of it. But mm-hmm. you are right. It, it is a lot more adventure-based and, like, platformer and even open-world to a sense mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. more than, like, an extreme sports-style game. Uh, but it definitely gives off the feel of just someone who never played it before. If they just saw a couple, you know, minutes of footage, they're like, oh, mm. like, skateboarding. Got it. Right. Like, if you, as soon as you, like, you're looking at the cover, you think, okay, it's a, it's a sports game. It's got inline skating, skateboarding, and uh, jet skiing. But then, yeah, you start watching Let's Plays of the game, and I'm just watching now. The boss fights are very well done. Mm. Yeah. Did you beat yeah. the game, Dan, when you played this? Oh, no. My, my, friend, my friend across <laughs> the street owned it. And so that was one of the games when I came over, and he was just like, what would you like to play? And I'm like, Rocket Power. <laughs> and he's just like, what about anything else? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Rocket Power. And so was there multiplayer then in, in Rocket Power? 
You know what? I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we just like took turns like playing the story. Oh no, you know what? I think there might have been because there's definitely like a free skate mode. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, we we had fun just like going through the story and like it has enough of that stuff baked into like the different levels. Now I didn't watch Rocket Power back in the day. I think that it just got I got confused with uh, I already loved Recess, <laughs> which was kind of like mm. my kid uh, show of choice. Uh, I also got confused with this one with the Weekenders mm. for whatever reason. Yes. I think I got these oh, those two show very easily. Yeah, mixed yeah. up. It, it's a group of kids that have a lot of free time. Uh, and that's kind of the basis of the show, but uh, boardwalks. Yeah, just a yeah, lot of exactly yeah, boardwalks. They just have infinite free time, which I guess you do as a kid looking back. But uh, I, I always love to Mike and I love to talk about just transitioning cartoons to 3D environments. It was was a difficult thing for developers mm-hmm. to do because they didn't have much of a frame of reference for what these characters should look like in a 3D environment. And the Simpsons, there the Simpsons <laughs> yeah, which we've talked exactly. about, and SpongeBob. Uh, so watching the show and then going to the game, I'm just watching it right now. Some of these characters, we're going to talk about more shows later on. Some of these characters look terrifying. <laughs> like the eyes for me, it's always the eyes. Like they have that Tim Burton, just small pupil, huge white eyes that just are <laughs> piercing to the soul. So like I said, though, the boss fight looks, boss fights look very well done, but the kids themselves look like something out of a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're they're uh, they're definitely not nearly as bad as some of the games that we're going to be talking about later on. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it, developers had a tough time getting eyes down at, in this era. I think this is two thousand two, right, Neil? Yeah. Um, and so unlike like today or like nowadays, uh, graphics over every years improve, but they don't improve like by massive margins. Um, back in this time, you know, two thousand two comparison to two thousand six. You know, the graphical quality of some of these games is just ridiculously different and uh, over those four years. And so you'll kind of see that as we go on into more of these other games. But yeah, it's uh, the eyes. They never really got down. And to your point, Neil, uh, Weekender style. So I think also it's because they hang out at a restaurant ah, okay. uh, every time because I think the guy's dad owns the restaurant and then he has this partner who's this like Hawaiian guy who has like a surfboard a surfer. Rem- rental. Yes, that's right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this is, and I watched a little bit of rocket power. It's funny because, um, Dan actually was talking about rocket power to me, uh, you know, a couple months back. And I was like, I have no idea what the show is, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Did that just, did that just casually come up? Was I just like, <laughs> yo, rocket power though. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just talking about the GameCube, uh, as as one does, yep. and you were like, you know what game is really good is the Rocket Power game, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to go back and and look up footage of like the uh, of the cartoon, and I was like, oh my god, I I do remember watching this, uh, and it's just one of those like nostalgia trips, locked away in the back of your brain. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So Dan, have you played this game recently? Like, did you play it to prepare for the show? I don't know if you own a PS2 copy or a GameCube copy. Like, do you have any frame of reference as if this game holds up? Like, when was the last time you would say you played this game? So, a lot of a lot of my enjoyment is just trusting like what, what 2002, like yeah, ten, like nine year old Daniel. I've watched a couple of Let's Plays in, like, preparation, and it, like, flooded yeah. back memories. And actually, if <laughs> the next time, you know, the pandemic isn't a thing, and you guys are at a, at a store, if you guys find Rocket Power. Yeah. By it, the way, please. I feel like I see this game everywhere. I don't think it's that hard to find. I've seen it before, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's too hard to find. And also, it does, you know, there's very few games that I've seen, 
uh, in preparation for this episode that I can say that I would be willing to play mm. <laughs> <laughs> or, or pick up. Um, but I can actually see myself playing this because, yeah, like you said, Neil, the bosses are fun. Mm. Uh, the, the, the world seems pretty innovative and different. It doesn't look like I'm doing the same repetitive thing over and over again. And it also looks like I can have a, a bit of fun with the, you know, the trick styling and everything like that. Yeah. And it's got story's kind of neat too. I was going to say, yeah. Why don't you, Dan, why don't you, do you remember the story? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so rock, good, rocket power, start. <laughs> yeah. rocket power is like, you know, beachfront dot like existence, right? Yeah. So. So, like, the, the thing is, like, it's summer, and all of a sudden, like, one day, like, the sand and, like, water levels are, like, completely diminished. And it's just like, oh, no, what happened? But, like, the same the same day, there's, like, a, uh, a conference where this guy named, like, Eric Golem, which is, like, huh? Huh? <laughs> you know, <laughs> mud? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Comes and is like, you know, I'll uh, I'll uh, come and save the day, kind of thing, and I'll put my robots on it, which is like the main enemy of the mm. of the game. Of course. Uh, and then uh, the kids are like, no, there's something weird there, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and just like go throughout the areas and like go through like some labs and and like areas and whatnot to kind of mm-hmm. figure out and stop uh, his nefarious deeds. And it's cool because it also. It's like, oh, like this is impacting like the local businesses, and I was just like, oh, yeah. cool, like that's like yeah. a neat angle, like why why the kids like care so much. It's uh, a bit of that environmentalism, like West Coast feel too, which I which mm, I like that they brought yeah. into the game. Mm-hmm. Interesting that the kids have the 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 local businesses and the environment in mind, but the adults just carry on with their normal lives as the <laughs> ocean levels go down and the sand disappears. Love that. And then the kids are, are forced to take action. It's almost like real life. Yeah, with their hockey sticks and skateboards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's cool, though, because, like, you'll do a mission, and it's just, like, uh, you'll, you'll, I think in early on you talk to, like, an officer, and they're like, oh, just make, you know, I, I see you guys are going to do something. Just go and ask your parents permission first. <laughs> and so you go oh back, God. and you get, like, a bit more information. So I was like, okay, at least they're, like, you know, kind of fronting, like, hey, they <laughs> That's dangerous. Ask your parents' permission before you go online. <laughs> oh, yeah. I miss those messages. <laughs> uh, one thing I looked up that I thought at first it was a soundtrack for the game. It's it's not. It's the soundtrack for the television film uh, that they released in 2002 um, called Rocket Power Race Across New Zealand. Oh. Uh, which I didn't know was a thing, but apparently it's a thing. Uh, look at this track listing, though, guys. Uh, 99 Red Balloons by Goldfingers on here. <laughs> Valentino by Bowling for Soup. And I'm Cool by Real Big oh, Fish. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, what, a, what, a, what a time capsule. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the track listing now. Five tracks were on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> five five fantastic That's tracks. That's half an album. What, what, what did it have to do with New Zealand? <laughs> None of these bands curious. are from New Zealand. Well, was, was it like was it like a like a, a rocket power on ice thing that like they went to New Zealand and recorded something there? Like what 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 was the what was New the Zealand? New Zealand was hot in the early two thousands because of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and then of course we brought it back in high school when we represented New Zealand in the World Fair. Who could forget? Of course. Oh. That's, of that's probably There's why. a reference none of the <laughs> listeners are going to understand. <laughs> it, it's a, that's a good point, though. Uh, and also, of course, there's no information on this, because why would there no be? One, no one asked. <laughs> uh, but Rocket Power, obviously, itself, you know, did have a good run. Uh, they even had this very interesting project that I've never heard about that was, uh, it was, it was basically a, a play. Uh, it was like a, a, a live play, but with extreme sports. 
What? Uh, mixed in. And it was it was kind of like uh, Disney on Ice style, but with extreme sports instead. Wow! Uh, and they would be doing like like part of the episodes, I guess, uh, like na- like narrating it while people were skateboarding. I'm not really sure exactly how it was going to work, but they did have a couple of uh, of tour dates, and they actually had to cancel the tour because of low sales. But that sounds really cool for 2002. That's oh, so I I just looked it up. Rocket Power yeah. Race Across New Zealand's a, it's a movie. Okay, it's like yes. a full movie. <laughs> that I'll have to go back to. <laughs> yeah, go back to it, and we'll do a whole episode chronicling the movie and uh, what it means to all the listeners out there. Sounds good. Can't wait to can't wait to get that review. <sighs> oh, well, Dan, is there anything else you'd like to say before we let you go? Uh, just yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you guys are uh, uh, great. Let me let me let me let me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that sounded so insincere. I, I'm so. You guys are great. I'm so, sorry, I, 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 I'm pretty tired. Oh, all right, Dan, we're gonna let, we're gonna let you go back to bed. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, you guys are um, some uh, some nice young men. Oh well, thank oh, you. Oh, he beat uh, me to you it. You are also a nice young man. We gotta say it after he leaves. Oh, damn it. Yeah, I, uh, right. I kind of trapped you there. <laughs> damn it. Oh, Bye, Dan. Well, th- Take care, buddy. Thank you, Dan, and we'll see you later. <laughs> later. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Oh, thanks, Dan, for telling us that we're great. We're leaving that in. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude, I'm not editing that at all. That's staying in raw. Uh, that's what she said. Rugrats Royal Ransom was released on November 26, 2002, developed by Avalanche Software, published by, of course, THQ. So it's on the PS2 and also on Game Boy Advance, but the Game Boy Advance version is known as Castle Capers, which was released on September 20, uh, 2001. Uh, they're the same game, but uh, plots are slightly different. The GameCube version is going to be around $35, and it rates about a 2 out of 5, but uh, I think we have a guest joining us today that uh, thinks a little bit lower of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have uh, our friend of the show, Jason, joining us, uh, and he's here to talk about Rugrats, obviously. But Jason, I have a question for you about the show. What is your most memorable or favorite moment from the show? First of all, guys, thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here after the Nightfire episode. It's a shame I'm following up a game I think of so highly with a game I <laughs> think of like this. But my favorite part about Rugrats is uh, it's said that... Um, I think his name was Grandpa Lou, right? That sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> so it, it said at one point that Grandpa Lou was present at the Battle of Pearl Harbor and he was in charge of sounding the alarm. But as he always does, he slept through the alarm and is apparently responsible for a bunch of deaths. Wow. But, at, but he defensively added in the show that he sounded the alarm as soon as he could. So there's yeah, that. As soon as he could, just after everyone was dead. This is a show for toddlers. <laughs> so you're saying that Rugrats ties into the Medal of Honor universe? Uh, one can only imagine, yes. <laughs> Grandpa Lou was a playable character in Medal of Honor Rising Sun, which we talked about a few episodes ago. Oh my god, yeah, why Why wasn't that? Come on, THQ, you gotta get what, on that. What was the What was the meme in Mortal Kombat where they wanted a Shaggy. specific character? Yeah, Shaggy. So it, it should, it, it, yeah, exactly. So it should be kind of like the Shaggy in Mortal Kombat thing. Grandpa Lou, a playable character in Medal of Honor. I think, I think a Medal of Honor will come back in a big way if if we get grandpa lou or dill pickles in there <laughs> what a great name so yeah rugrats is a sentimental nickelodeon franchise who which most people know about the series actually premiered back in august of 1991 making this uh franchise a, 
older than Mike, you and I, and it actually ended in 1993, which I didn't know about. I didn't really get into Rugrats until about 2000, 99, 2000, and at that point, I had no idea that Rugrats was over. <laughs> Obviously, it, it had uh, a few movies here and there uh, after the after the series was over, and then they had All Grown Up, which came out several years afterwards. So it has popped its head up from time to time in the last uh, 27 years now, but had no idea that it uh, actually ran for such a short time, being such a huge part of most uh, most kids' childhood uh, in the Nickelodeon era of the 90s. Yeah, I, I knew that, I knew, I remember like people telling me that actually, uh, you know, when people like, to, like kids tell you facts, it's like, did you know that Rugrats was only out for two seasons? <laughs> or like when people say like, um, what's like the Ripping Friends? It's like, did you know Ripping Friends only had five episodes? <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Yeah, and I, no one noticed until way later. But uh, Rip, I mean, Ripping Friends was a great show. <laughs> it was, those five episodes are classic. Oh yeah, there's a lot of gore involved, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. But yeah, no, the Rugrats—they had a whole bunch of movies, and uh, obviously the episodes, 65 episodes, and a bunch of video games, which appeared on N64, Game Boy Advance, uh, PlayStation, and then of course the GameCube, which is the game that we're talking about today. I have zero uh, experience with any Rugrats game except for playing as the Rugrats in that Nickelodeon's Racers game, which came out on Switch two or three years ago. Mm. But uh, let's talk to Jason. Jason, you played this game back in the day. Why did you pick it up? Was this just a latch? last-ditch blockbuster rental, or did you actually seek out this game at one point? So I, as a kid, played uh, Rugrats Scavenger Hunt, which was its predecessor on the N64. And let me tell you, so that's the reason I I looked for Royal Ransom, but what a terrible game Scavenger Hunt was as well. (laughs) Not not during the time, because it was nostalgic, but I played it again in the last couple years, and this is no fun at all. (laughs) The setting for it, or the plot, rather, is that it's basically a scavenger hunt, and it plays like Mario Party without any of the fun. (laughs) It, it, It involved searching specific tiles for, you know, treasure objects to make a map but the ai that you would play against was incredibly dumb and they would search the same spot multiple times and as a kid i mean i thought oh wow i'm amazing at this game i always win but it's no it's just that bad so yeah then i i i tried to look out for royal ransom and i'll be honest i had to watch some gameplay today to refresh my memory and i have I have a list of notes for you on why this game is also terrible. <laughs> oh, okay. Please, Perfect. please, let's hear them. Uh, I will say this. Graphically, it it looks really good for the time. It, it for 2002? Really, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it really mm-hmm. mirrors the artwork in, in Rugrats itself. It, it, you feel like you're immersed in the world, and it's really cool. Mm. The way this uh, game starts is uh, Stew Pickles, as he often does, makes a crazy machine that involves being a, a playhouse for the kids. Uh, Angelica deems herself to be the queen of the castle, so to speak, and also steals a bunch of the other kids' toys unless they agree to be her subjects, because I guess that's normal. Yeah, that's pretty normal for Angelica. (laughs) (laughs) The gameplay is too repetitive, and it's too long for what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. the game, I believe, is four hours long. (laughs) Uh, If you play it properly, it should be two. But the reason it will take more than four is for a number of reasons... So to get into each level, you have to pay 100 coins, and coins are picked up in other levels one at a time. There's no mechanic in Mario part, like in Mario, where, you know, you have a red coin that gives you five or something at once. Right. Okay. When you kill an enemy, which takes a while, there's a lag to when the coin appears, and then when the coin appears, there's a lag for when you could pick it up. So it's just a giant, giant pain to get through, and you need 100 of them. Oh, okay. Granted, the game starts you off, and they give you maybe four or five hundred, to start the game but the problem is that if you lose a level you have to repay that hundred coins and so in a game that's you know meant for toddlers that is 
very difficult to play for other reasons, which I'll get into. It's a giant time sinker to try and get the coins required to actually play the game. Watching gameplay of it, I you know, Neil and I have watched a lot of Let's Plays of a lot of different games because obviously we don't have time to go back and play all, all these games. We also don't have these games physically as well. Right. And I'd say this is one of the few games that I've seen every every gameplay footage I saw, people struggled really hard <laughs> to actually complete these levels. And you know that it's going to be a bad, you know it's a bad scene when you start up a Let's Play walkthrough or whatever, and it's the complete Let's Play in one video in three hours. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, it's going to be short, that's fine, and there's a bunch of these THQ tie-in games to Nickelodeon franchises that we're going to get to later. They're all pretty short, but I don't like it when games stretch themselves out with that type of a mechanic of collecting a currency to go to the next level. Yeah. It's just, it's not fun. I know that these games are meant to be for kids. They're not meant to be for the older, again, the GameCube generation going after the adult gamers. This is not one of those games, but it's not fun even for kids to play. Uh, I wouldn't have liked this game at all, and I was a fan of Rugrats <laughs> in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. I will say that seeing a baby double jump is hilarious. Uh, so there, there's that, I guess. But uh, like another reason why, you know, being marketed to, to kids and it being so difficult. And uh, like you said, you saw people having trouble with the game because the coin mechanic to get into the levels is sort of coupled with the annoyance of platforming where when you're trying to move the third person camera outwards, you could see everything. There's a frame drop. And also, the shadow of your character doesn't line up with where you're actually going to end up perfectly yeah. all the time. Love that. And so you Love just end that. up falling and dying, and then have, or I guess, I don't know, fainting, <laughs> pretending this is the Pokemon universe. They're kids, after all. Uh, uh, and then you have to start again. While we trash the game, let's try and throw in a couple of positives sure. here. Uh, yeah, might as well. Uh, the only thing I could really find was Mike and I, we love to talk about when cartoons are realized in 3D space for the first time ever, like we talked about on Simpsons Hit and Run. This one being the one of the Rugrats' first outings in the uh, new generation, 3D, traditionally a 2D cartoon. Did a pretty good job of making the characters look not super creepy. We're going to get to a, a game <laughs> in just a few minutes uh, that looks horrifying. Just had to give a shout out, you know, the animation looks pretty good for a show that was animated in the early 90s and then turned into a video game 10 years later. Not easy to do, but they did a great job. And also they got all the voice actors to reprise their roles. So Elizabeth Daly as Tommy, Nancy Cartwright as Chucky, uh, Kath Susie as Phil and Lil, and Cheryl Chase as Angelica. Uh, so all the characters are back and the voice actors are there too. I feel like if you were going to do a cartoon tie-in and you do a cartoon tie-in with different voice actors, it always feels like you're just playing a cheap ripoff of the franchise franchise uh it would have made, made the game a lot worse i think if the voice actors weren't there yeah i saw like watching uh, the footage and like just listened to it obviously too I, I immediately was like yeah these are the actual voice actors and you can tell especially for something like rugrats i forgot how powerful that show is yeah. with those voice actors because they do mm -hmm. such a good job and really like bring you into that world and uh, so it was really cool to see it again because I, I did not expect it to be the, the same voice actors. I, I was ready for some real bad like voice acting attempts on, on you know, Chucky, uh, who has a very distinct voice, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they, they really nailed right. it. They all do. Back to our regularly scheduled bashing yet or no? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, I did want to talk just briefly about the developer of this game. So it's Avalanche Software who developed it, and they actually exist today, uh, kind of. They're a second party bought by WB. Before that, they kind of got relegated working on all these Disney 
uh, movie tie-ins. They also were, did the Tack games, mm-hmm. and they did a couple Dragon Ball Z games, Jason. So, ooh, the Budokai ones? Uh, no, the other ones. <laughs> yeah, so, so the, never, never mind. I yeah. take back my ooh. <laughs> and then, Mike, Mike, do you know the game that they're currently working on? Yes, I do. They're currently working on Hogwarts Legacy. Yep. Which is that's cool. Yeah, that's. I know. I was really surprised to see that. I was like, oh wow. So I think I think uh, WB bought them solely for this purpose. Because it doesn't seem like they've been working on anything else since 2017. So what what a jump from Rugrats to Hogwarts. <laughs> well, they, they they worked on Disney Infinity, which was like one of the biggest games of all time for like three years, and they did all the Cars games, which are actually decent racing games. Like they're not bad; they're just cars. Uh, but yeah, now now they're working on Hogwarts Legacy, which is awesome. Hopefully, the game is good. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> yeah. But yes, back to a regularly scheduled fasting. <laughs> sure. Thank you. I, I've been holding my tongue for the voice actor part because I agree. It's great to hear the original voices in the game. And it wouldn't be the same without it. It would be even worse without it. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they like kept them on for the like most minimal time that they could. Because because oh, yeah. there's the catchphrases, which just recycle over and over again. Yeah. There are... I was telling Mike before we started that there's a level called the Temple of the Lamp, and Susie says that the gate will open and let you through to the next level when you've collected 40 rubies. But that 40 rubies is only for easy mode, and in medium and hard mode, it still says 40 rubies, and you just need more than that. So the game (laughs) flat out lies to you. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they just forgot to record the... or or just didn't have the money or time to record uh, (laughs) those extra lines, I guess, which is... Something I love about games back in this era when you couldn't do updates, you know, and there was no, <laughs> nothing because you had to put the game out on that deadline. You couldn't push back a Rugrats game like there's no way THQ is going to allow you to do that. So a lot of these games got put out, you know, quote unquote, unfinished with stuff like that. So I love that you picked that up, Jason. <laughs> That's funny. Uh- Maybe the maybe the voice actress who plays Susie is just like a one take person where <laughs> like she only does one take and then she's done. Yeah, <laughs> these all the all, all the voice acting for this was done in one day. You can guarantee they weren't spending weeks and doing yeah. mocap for this game. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the coin collecting, there also comes a lot of backtracking. A lot another mechanic in the game is to collect batteries to sort of power the next part of this playhouse. Right, and you can't get all the batteries at once. Uh, so you have to go back to past levels to to get other ones, which I you know I don't like backtracking if you can avoid it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's worthwhile. You know I can think of you know like Pokemon Snap where you backtrack because there's other things you just can't get yep. before and it's new experiences. <laughs> I bring up Pokemon Snap because because the new one was was uh, introduced recently. Oh yep. yeah, we know Neil Neil is more excited for that than I think anything else in the next decade. I can I can appreciate why. <laughs> are, are you actually a fan, or this is just... Yeah, yes, this is not okay. an ironic joke. Okay. I actually I, am I was, excited. I wasn't sure, because Pokemon Snap was one of my favorite games in N64, and like no one could understand why. It's just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a conscious effort to only take pictures of original Pokemon in that game and nothing of the new ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, and the last thing is the most common sound you hear in that game is the sound of the character running, which happens all the time, and it's yep. super annoying. I noticed that was um, the first thing I noticed when I actually had the audio on. I was like, why is this so loud? <laughs> oh, sorry, one other thing. They had such a good chance to make all four characters play differently, and they didn't. They're all the same. Yeah, so who can you play as in the game? Tommy, Chucky, Phil, or Lil. 
Okay, yeah. As well as Kimmy. And the worst person to play as is Phil, because when you take an even 10 seconds to figure out what you're supposed to do next, he's like, why are we wasting so much time? Or something to that effect with his voiceover. <laughs> oh like, my god. <laughs> I'm just holding the controller like, quiet, Phil, I understand. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> well, my question to you, Jason, is uh, did you did you skip ahead to the last boss? Because Neil and I, when we watch Let's Plays, we like to see the final boss <laughs> in the game. And, and I don't know what the final boss is for... Uh, uh, for Rugrats. Is it Angelica? Do you have to face Angelica? I'm glad you asked. I never finished the game. I couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I tried to revisit it later, I couldn't take it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, we'll just say it's Angelica and then uh, and yeah. we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to bed with that. I, I can only imagine it was her. She... I don't know who else it would be, but, you know, like Grandpa Lou. I, yeah, it's Grandpa Lou, Gra- obviously. Like Grandpa Lou, I fell asleep during the war, and I woke up and it was too late. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much, Jason, for coming on. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you probably for Dragon Ball Z next. Sweet. You're very welcome. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to have a game where I can praise it instead of hate on it. Uh, <laughs> Nightfire was a blast. This was a blast for different reasons, darker <laughs> reasons. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the show again soon. Thank you so much for coming on. You're very welcome. Awesome. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Jason, for coming on and bashing uh, Rugrats Royal Rumble, which, you know, kind of deserves to be bashed. Uh, we One thing we didn't talk about in the game is there is technically a racing element. You can uh, uh, race with cars and I, I cars in quotes because they're kind of like makeshift vehicles. That yeah, they're going to be like little buggies. Made. Yeah, like little things that you make at uh, Boy Scouts or something. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Well, yeah. Fun times. Now, Mike, let's move on to Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah, let's do it. Probably, probably, yeah, like we said, my second favorite uh, cartoon on Nickelodeon. Yep, my third favorite. So we'll start off with Fairly Odd Parents Break Into Rules, which was released on November 3rd, 2003, developed by Blitz Games, published by THQ. It's also on Game Boy Advance, PS2, and Xbox. It's around $30 today on uh, GameCube, of course. It rates about a 5 out of 10. But Mike, I gotta say, if, if I'm gonna put my money in that that Game Boy Advance game is real good. I bet the Game Boy Advance game is better than this thing because, yep. oh my god, Neil, this is probably the some of the worst graphics I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Why are they so bad? This is this is borderline terrifying for me. <laughs> now, of course, we talked about in Rugrats, I mentioned before that I'm going to allude to a game coming up that uh, didn't transition well from 2D to 3D. This is it. Tim, Timmy Turner's mouth goes from ear to ear, <laughs> and it's horrifying. You know what this looks like? This looks like the developers couldn't decide if they wanted to go just like a full 2D style cartoon right. mm-hmm. or if they wanted to try the 3D style that we saw with Rugrats. Um, and with that, you get this terrifying, uh, gross, I don't even know what to say. You know what really freaks me out, Neil, is the eyes. That's what does it, I think. Yeah, they're very dead. They blink. <laughs> quickly and their eyes are just all wide at all times their smile is always big it's just scary yeah the graphics do not hold up well now this is kind of like a cell shaded game i will give it a little bit yeah it's a poor man's shell cell shaded game though it's not like wind waker or hit and run it did not age as well as those games did now, before we go on trashing the game too much, I do want to give one quick shout out to, of course, one of the greatest cartoon characters of all time, and that is Doug Dimmodome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome. Doug Dimmodome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome. <laughs> so good. He's Doug also... Dimmodome? Doug Dimmodome. 
That's right, Doug Dimmodome. Oh, dude. <laughs> classic, classic character. Everybody remembers Doug Dimmodome. He became a slight meme a few years ago on Vine, I think it was. It was so. <laughs> with the hat. With the hat getting. So he's a, he's a Texas mogul. He, he's like a tycoon. He owns the National Basketball Association in Dimsdale, which is, of course, the town that Timmy Turner lives in. And there's this meme that went around with this guy going around with this hat because he wore a 10 gallon hat and everywhere he went, the hat got bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> to the point where this guy's in a library and the hat's all taller than the shelves. It's so good. Oh, it's one of my favorites. But no, voiced by Jim Ward, who uh, he's voiced so many characters. If you look up his IMDb, just a bunch of small characters, though, on like Avatar, Danny Phantom. He was also in A Bug's Life, the Pixar film A Bug's Life and Ants, the DreamWorks bug movie. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this is classic. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted I to make it. sure I played that. Uh, yes, uh, Ants and Bug- Bugs Life, that is actually pretty impressive. Yeah, because those those two movies do not, I mean, <laughs> the creators of those movies do not like each other. No. Uh, but he was he was only credited as like Ants, Ant number three. Like, it wasn't like he, he wasn't Flick. Or... No, Ant number three is a big role. Oh, a huge role. <laughs> Who could forget Ant number three? But, like, in, he was also in Toy Story, but he was credited as Angry Driver number one. So, who could forget? But, no, number Doug Dimmodome. Dim- a little better than three. So. <laughs> but, no, uh, Doug Dimmodome has got to be his number one role. And, of course, the even the voice actors from the TV show show their faces in the show. Uh, yeah. In the, in the video game, sorry. Uh, Tara Strong is Timmy Turner, who's, of course, iconic Toronto-born born voice actor. Uh, she's been in Powerpuff Girls, Final Fantasy, um, one of my favorites for sure. I love Tara Strong. Yeah, maybe we'll have her on the show someday. Who knows? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I got also got to give a huge shout out to Kara Norris, who voices Cosmo, the dad, and Jorgen von Strangle. Really? Oh, I didn't realize that that she voices all the same people. Oh no, he. That's Karen Norris. That's a oh, guy. Oh, Kara. Okay. Yeah, mind. yeah. Karen oh, oh, Norris. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, embarrassing. <laughs> oh, embarrassing. Yeah. No, he uh, he voices a bunch of characters on the show. Very wide range. I think he also was in that show, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, as the janitor. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. Very dynamic voice and yes. very talented man. Um, but yeah, so the voice acting in the show is good. And actually, it's fairly well written. Like, it feels like the writing of a show. I was watching a Let's Play earlier today. And, like, the cutscenes are actually funny. Like, they, they had some good jokes in there, I thought. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I noticed that, too. And, again, just like the Rugrats game, uh, because they got the voice actors back, it really did make you feel like you were in this world rather than, you know, just a cheap knockoff, mm-hmm. which could that easily felt like. But... Um, yeah, the graphics really are not great. No. One of my favorite things just about Fairly Odd Parents in general okay. is Dinkelberg. Yes. <laughs> oh, then any neighbor, like a dad, a dad in a, t- in a cartoon, first of all, is, are always good. But yeah, then the neighbor are. next door, that's like kind of the Ned Flanders-y kind of. Dinkelberg. Dinkelberg. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Timmy Turner's dad is top-notch cartoon dads on tv shows is just fantastic <laughs> my favorite is that like he he's like constantly brandishing weapons to kill Winkleberg. <laughs> <I laughs> like and there's so many instances of that which is one of my favorites like they take it to a different level and i i love that and it's just that same kind of humor uh, doesn't i feel like it just doesn't exist for a lot of cartoons nowadays no because they can't be too violent now i don't know what it is about cartoons first they took away cartoon characters can't smoke on or drink on shows anymore which like bugs bunny did and then I guess brandishing weapons just doesn't fly anymore <laughs> towards neighbors, especially. Everything's just so forced and there's there's no subtle jokes anymore, right? So Yeah, I know. And and you start to relate to Timmy Turner's dad the older you get too. As a kid <laughs> yeah. as a kid he's just loud and funny, but as an adult, it's like I get it. Crimson Shin, obviously, too, was uh one of my favorite
favorites. And do you know who that was voiced by, Neil? Uh, yes, I do. But why don't you let the listeners know? Uh, it was voiced by Jay Leno. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's the Crimson Chin, because of his massive chin, obviously, in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not find that out until years later. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the Catman, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorites, voiced by Adam West. <laughs> Very good callback to the 60s cartoon or the 60s Batman show, which is just a good way to get parents involved in cartoons yeah. a little bit. I think it's good to just give parents something to do when they're watching a TV show. Like nowadays we have like Peppa Pig and Paw Patrol. I mean, I'm sure that these shows are good, but there's nothing really t- that I can see that would really tie a parent that might have grown up in the 80s or 90s to want to watch these shows. Like it's not like... <laughs> tom kenny from spongebob is in these shows or anything yeah. there's nothing really tying old to the new which i think you need they but. just did it so like so well and there was also i don't know if you remember but there was a couple of episodes of the crimson chin where the crimson chin realizes he's a comic yeah uh and like it gets like really ex- existential it does yeah yeah he it, knows it's and then like timmy turner's his side cl- side ki- kick boy clef yeah, there's a bunch of that. And there's also an alien in the show that also goes through like he doesn't want to be an alien or That's something. Right. Like it's a weird show with just everyone kind of trying to figure out life, which is what life is. And it's But it's also this goofy show about a kid who has fairy godparents for some reason. I was reading about how Norm the genie who is on there, he's only in a couple of, of episodes, but he's voiced by Norm MacDonald. Uh, Canadian yes. uh, comedy icon mm-hmm. and apparently he just ad-libbed all of it <laughs> and so they just kind of cut and spliced it in uh, wow. and and watching some of the footage again I was like yeah this is 100% what happened <laughs> just like put a, like a mic in front of him and it's like go nuts that's, that's how the best <laughs> characters get made in any studio but uh, yeah this game again very good kind of like a mini TV series uh, it's only four hours it takes four hours to beat uh, basic story here Timmy Turner's mother and father have gone on a vacation left Timmy with the his evil babysitter of course Vicky uh, when uh, Timmy tries to make a wish uh, fairy godparents Cosmo and Wanda tell him that it's against the rules uh, so Timmy wishes that he didn't break have to follow yeah so he has to break the rules uh, and as a result uh, Cosmo destroys the book and uh, Vicky uh, takes possession of the rules and of course chaos ensues so uh, the, the PC and the Game Boy Advance version, they differ slightly from the console version. Um, those were developed by Helix and Gorilla. So Helix mm. uh, was the developer of the Game Boy Advance game. And I'm going to, like I said up front, I'm going to bet that game is awesome because they also yeah. made games like Scooby-Doo, Star Wars, Incredibles, Cars, and Ratatouille for the uh, Game Boy Advance. So Yeah, uh, they, they had their, their, their stuff together for sure. So they would have made a good game for the Game Boy Advance. And it would like we said before, it probably would have been like a SNES kind of style game exactly there's copying and pasting those final boss actually isn't too bad it's uh vicky as a giant dragon which you have to run around in a ring of like a circle and get her to say a wish i wish that timmy never spoilers uh she has to you have to make her say that uh she uh, never stole the book and uh, that's how the game ends but uh it actually looks pretty good like that animation actually looked decent but no, uh, this game, uh, not aging super well, but however, the sequel, Fairly Odd Parents Shadow Showdown, which was released on September 8th, 2004, uh, developed by same company, Blitz Games, published again by THQ, also on Windows, Game Boy Advance, and PS2, rates a little bit better. It's about a 7 out of 10. Uh, this game is slightly more polished than the first game. It does. It looks a little more polished, and I did want to say one last thing for Breaking the Rules, sure. and it might be in um, Showdown as well, but uh, Rob Paulson uh, voices uh, a lot of like just random people in the game. Uh, yes. Rob Paulson, you may know as uh, Pinky in the Brain, mm-hmm. uh, which is a thousand other things, but that's kind of what he's most famous for, probably. Yeah, Pinky in the Brain for sure, and Carl from uh, from Jimmy... Jimmy, I'm gonna send Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. I love, I love bassist Carl. <laughs> oh my 
my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, no, Rob Paulson also, yeah, again, voice actors in this game is not are not slacking. Like, they're doing a very good job. But uh, yeah, Shadow Showdown, again, more polished. The game looks a lot better. Um, yes, yeah, immediately, like, so I, I, I try to watch, I always try and watch, like, the original game play and also... If I can find better footage and better graphics on Dolphin, running at like a 4K, uh, and the 4K for Breaking the Rules looked awful, mm. so that's how you know yep. that something is strong. But sh- uh, uh, Shadow Showdown looks good at 4K, and that's only a year later, so I don't know what happened. They, they were learning the craft a lot better. I don't know. Uh, development time helps. Uh, yeah, the cutscene animation also looked better. The cartoon, the characters didn't look terrifying staring at you at the screen for some weird reason. <laughs> also, the the background music felt a little bit more true to the cartoon. Yes. I, I don't yeah. know what they did differently, but I felt like the music worked better with the game. Uh, that was the first thing I thought of was I was like, oh, the music is like seems less weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like it fit more with the Fairly Odd Parents universe. And then the, the final boss, again, uh, we like to talk about those in these games. Uh, it felt a little bit more like a, uh, a Zelda boss, actually, where you could actually move around in the 3D space a little bit more. But it, it, it did have that trope, which a lot of these licensed games had, which you're kind of actually tricking the boss into killing themselves. Yep. I don't know why. I don't know what that was. I don't know if like maybe characters couldn't actually do too much violent things against other characters. That might have been it. I think it might have maybe that, but I think also maybe just from a dev perspective, that was probably the easiest way for the boss like to yeah. to damage itself. You can kind of set up almost like a timer mm-hmm. um, in terms of like how it's going to damage itself. So I think that'd be a little easier, maybe. That's true. These games are both fairly expensive nowadays, like thirty dollars for the first one and forty dollars for the sequel. Uh, a little pricey, but I'm assuming that they had a pretty low run on the GameCube and therefore harder to find. Yeah, so yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right, Mike, I think it's about time that we moved on to probably the best game on the list here, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> Dora the Explorer Journey to the Purple Planet was released on October 13th, 2005. It's developed by Monkey Bar Games. It's published not by THQ. It's published by Global Star Software and Nick Games. It's also on PlayStation 2. Very cheap, $15, but it rates about a 7 out of 10, meaning oh, wow. it's pretty good. For what it it's is, playable. it's playable. It's actually very playable. I was watching gameplay today and it actually looked decent. Like it's a very slow moving game. This is obviously an educational game for young kids. So it's not fast. There aren't dozens of enemies on the board. It's just you. You're playing as Dora. You've got your uh, your little monkey with you. What's his name? Boots. Boots. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing up front. I didn't watch a lot of Nickelodeon. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of Dora the Explorer. Did you? No, I think that was way past our time. I think uh, so. Dora the Explorer ran from 2000 to 2019. So yeah, we were uh, seven-year-old well, men at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Seven-year-old men. Seven-year-old um, men. You know why Dora uh, the Explorer is so – this game is so good? It's because um, Monkey Bar Games, which has got to be one of the best developer names that we've seen so far in this show. Yeah. Uh, they also developed that Curious George game that we were watching, Neil. That's right. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Curious George until way later with the movie tie-ins. That's a 2006 game. But yeah, you and I were watching gameplay of that uh, a couple months ago, and it looked like almost like a Donkey really Kong good. game. Yeah, yeah. They, they make really good-looking <laughs> games. Like, the, the levels are all very basic because, again, they're for kids. They don't want to have too much going on. But simple cell shading. Everything's very floaty. But I would, th- I would say very good game for kids under the age of nine who are just getting into video games. And, again, it's an educational game. There aren't too many of those on the GameCube, which I was trying to think about, like other ones. It's, I don't know why it's considered an educational yeah. game. The main point of the game is that you're, you're Dora and you're just collecting gems around the levels to help your friend get their spaceship working again. Plot makes sense to me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it looks, you know, it, it, it looks good. 
it, it seems to function well. I think, it, you know, that 7 out of 10 is warranted because a lot of these games on this list are games that don't function that well, are like, you right. know, not completely released as we saw with Rugrats. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, glitches that break the game. Right. So uh, when you are able to put out a fully functioning game that is easily to, uh, playable and looks good, then I kind of check all the boxes and you get a solid 7 out of 10. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you did, you did your part. You got in, you got out. You didn't bother us with your game. Uh, the <laughs> game had absolutely like zero marketing behind it. It wasn't announced uh, on any publication. Like it wasn't at E3 or any gaming expo for obvious reasons. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, so it just kind of was surprise launch. There was an Xbox version planned, but it was canceled. Fun fact: uh, Kathleen Herles, uh, who is the voice actress of Dora in the show, she also reprised her role here. Yeah, uh, which was nice to see. But she actually got asked to stop doing the. Voice voice in 2008 which because i think they thought her voice was maybe too old at that point um she was uh she was 18 and uh uh, either that or they just wanted to keep going for child labor so uh could have been it it. either one pick your poison (laughs) yeah no it's another one of these games where they picked a really good voice actor cast Uh, they got all the people from the show to come on uh, come on for a day and and uh do their roles which was nice Mm -hmm. um but yeah, don't have too much to say about this game. Obviously, haven't played it. Uh, and I do say it's a good educational game, but it's not on my list of games that I'm looking for. No, though, I mean, puzzles look good. If I had a kid, I'd have them play Dora. Why yeah. not? Yeah, why the heck not? All right, I think it's time, Mike, to look, move on to Avatar, The Last Airbender. But Mike, this is a special game. Why is that? Well, this is a special game because this is our... Well, actually, I'll let Victor say it. That's game number 200. Hey, we made it. We made Damn. it, Neil, to 200 okay. games so far. That is crazy. Uh, pretend there's confetti going on. Oh, okay, cool. You. All right, I feel I feel the confetti around me. That's, oh, that's my God, great. I caught one. <laughs> Catch another. Uh, kiss me, Mike. No. Um, <laughs> that's a huge accomplishment. We made it to 200 games. That's really good. Uh, about almost 40 episodes in, so making good progress. All right, onward to Avatar The Last Airbender. Unfortunately, <laughs> is our 200th game. Uh, I wish it was something a little bit more exciting, but was released on October 10th, 2006, developed by THQ Studio Australia, published by THQ. This game is on everything. It's on Wii, <laughs> DS, Game Boy Advance, PlayStation 2, PlayStation Portable, Xbox, and Windows. If you wanted to pick it up on GameCube, it's about $15. And it rates about a 5 to 6 out of 10. Okay, yeah, that's probably what this gets. I mean, so Avatar is an amazing series mm-hmm. that is definitely a much more adult-oriented um, series with a lot of adult themes and uh, just a very interesting and uh, mature uh, series in general, but our friend of the show, Kirsten, mm-hmm. uh, who has made us some of these lovely uh, GameCube uh, related mem- uh, memorabilia, like <laughs> our um, our official GameCube award. Of course. Uh, uh, she loves Avatar more than anyone I know. And um, so, Kirsten, we're sorry that GameCube had this not so good Avatar game. We wish it was better. Avatar, we didn't say, uh, wasn't a part of our top five Nickelodeon franchises. Uh, neither of us really watched it. We were we were into Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Beyblade, and other animes like that uh, back in the day. Avatar, for... I, I watched it much later oh, with, okay. with Kirsten. Actually, oh. that's we've we've watched the entire series together, and uh, it's you know it's a great series. It's mm-hmm. amazing, but I just. You know, I'm thinking more nostalgic, and it didn't. It, I don't have that nostalgia touch that I do, right? With, uh, like I do with other uh, series. And I think for me, uh, by 2005, when Avatar came out, I was pretty fatigued, even with Dragon Ball Z at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was kind of getting out of it. I was probably still into Yu-Gi-Oh in 2005. I'm trying to remember now, but 
uh, by the new anime kind of wasn't really uh, wasn't really for me anymore so it just didn't yeah. hit uh, again and I don't think that fans of Avatar even really enjoyed the game too much it did do well mm. enough to receive a sequel Avatar the last airbender the burning earth was released two years later sorry one year later in 2007 I mean it, it was a huge like it was a huge thing when it came out especially like like I said before it wasn't just for kids it was uh, had huge crossover appeal mm-hmm. uh, so many adults really got into avatar and avatar obviously still is is such a huge part of so many people's lives and you see it at uh, comic cons constantly people cosplaying as mm-hmm. um as Aang or Katara right. uh, uh it's yeah it's 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 a global phenomenon for sure and of course you're talking about avatar the James Cameron movie of course, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. James Cameron just had to go and just make it so confusing for everyone. What? Well, mostly just boomers. <laughs> yeah, mostly just boomers. And then, of course, M Night Shyamalan came along and made that just beautifully done. Oh, uh, movie, perfect. The Last Airbender, which I think has a one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think so. That's the one where at the very end Bruce Willis finds out he was dead the whole time, right? <laughs> Damn it, Neil! You saw oh, it. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Avatar: The Last Airbender on GameCube. Uh, Decent game. Yes, no, probably not. It's hard to tell. I didn't really watch much gameplay of this one. Couldn't really be bothered, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I watched I watched quite a bit of gameplay. It's a lot of RPG elements. Oh, okay. It definitely feels like a lot of X-Men Legends style. Um, you know, uh, Crystal cool. Chronicles, you're with a team. Uh, you can switch between uh, different players, uh, such as, you know, we have Aang, Katara, Ahsoka, and Haru. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty standard kind of RPG game uh you do have a, a bunch of beat em up elements in it as well okay um so you actually are fighting in real time hmm. uh but there are a lot of of these kind of rhythm based things that you have to do ah. which are not great no uh, that was probably for the wii i think probably sold best on the wii but yeah, <laughs> yeah it, did, it, so. it did commercially like i said do very well it sold over a million copies as of february wow. 2007 and it was one of nickelodeon's best-selling products of 2006 so hmm. Wasn't uh wasn't anything to sneeze at, that's for sure. Well, sorry, Kirsten, for not doing Avatar justice. We could have done it better. She's but, driving uh, her car right now, <laughs> just <laughs> yelling at us somewhere. She's like, come on. Well, no, she. I think I talked to her about that game, and she's like, yeah, that game looks really bad. Oh, okay, so. good enough. All right, well, let's move on to another game, which is not any better. Nickelodeon Party Blast was released on December 6th, 2002. Developed by Data Design Interactive. I've never heard of them. Uh, published by Infogrames. We've talked about them a few times. It's also on Xbox and Windows, priced at around $20. This game, according to the GameCube anthology, gets a 1 out of 5 stars, which is very rare. <laughs> very rare indeed. I Really? It's that bad? It's terrible. I, I... <laughs> I was watching gameplay, and I was getting Monsters, Inc. Scream Arena vibes watching it, to be honest. So it, it's a minigame collection, sort of like Lights, yeah. Camera, Pants, or Mario Party. But again, Mario Party without the fun. So, okay. So there's only five minigames in the entire game. Each The only difference is that they change the theme of the minigame based on the franchise. So, you know, you've got SpongeBob, Rocket Power, Invader Zim, uh, Jimmy Neutron, and the Wild Thornberries. Uh, Cat Dog are there, too, for some reason. Cat Dog. I love Cat Dog. Yeah. That goes in my honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge Cat Dog fan. Cat Dog is amazing, but just in this in this game, <laughs> didn't make any sense to throw Cat Dog in there randomly. At this point, Cat Dog had been discontinued for quite a while <laughs> yeah they just needed someone it's like putting waluigi in yeah kind of they just <laughs> needed someone to throw in nickelodeon's always been weird with these uh ensemble games of throwing in characters that just 
like they either don't throw in enough or they just like they have so many characters to work from they're almost like disney or marvel or nintendo at this point but they just never seem to get them all to work together properly like yeah yeah i mean that is yeah that is just an unfortunate part of i guess licensing stuff and and yeah being a large company like nickelodeon the gears move pretty slowly yeah um so yeah it's too bad i love this one review though from ign from back in the day they gave the game a 1.1 out of 10 which is just a different time for ign they never give games (laughs) 1.1 out of 10 (laughs) i'm sorry 1.1 out of 10 so this must have got to be one of their lowest reviews ever it must be but keep in mind this is ign from 2002 when they were still fairly new and they were still exploring the scale nowadays when a game is unplayable from ign it's like seven Seven. yeah (laughs) (laughs) nothing's ever lower than a seven but their their review was with so many great franchises this could have been a decent party game instead what we're left with is poor looking poor sounding and poor playing game play i was gonna say it does sound bad and i wasn't sure if that was me or like my headphones or something was going on mm-hmm. um but yeah it's uh it's 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 like it sounds like my speakers are blown out and i tried to yeah. check different streams i'm like oh maybe it's this guy who is like who uploaded it but now if i had to guess this game had a very short development time they had to get it out they were they're not gonna like give more development time to this nickelodeon game which came out early december so it was clearly just trying to cash in on the uh christmas rush and uh, did uh, not a decent job because there were no there were no follow ups to this. Obviously, of course, got to give a shout out to the voice actors who all reprised their roles. Uh, we got Tom Kenny as SpongeBob, uh, Debbie Derryberry as Jimmy Neutron, Elizabeth Daly as Tommy, and Richard Horowitz came back for Invader Zim. So, uh, well, not came back, but he showed up to do Invader Zim. So again, Nickelodeon really putting their voice actors to work. Gotta love that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Nicktoons Unite, which was released on October 27th, 2005. These games were actually, like, well done, the Nicktoons games. Were they? Uh, for So I actually remember Nicktoons Unite, and maybe maybe I'm looking at it with rose-colored glasses. Also, A little by bit. the way, Nicktoons Unite, published and developed by THQ, but I'm sure... Uh, yeah, you, can you, that you get out. that by now. It's also on PS2, <laughs> DS, Game Boy Advance. It's around th- $15 today, and it rated average, like, 3 out of 5, so... I, I I like this game. So I remember playing this game at a couple of friends' houses. I never owned it, and maybe I rented it at some point. But okay. for 12-year-old Mike, um, having all of the characters that I knew and loved together in a game, and also like and honestly doing it really well in terms of a crossover, hmm. uh, especially with the villains, uh, too, they, they did a really cool uh, cool job with that. Because you have like Party Blast, like you said, Neil, which is just like a a poor man's Mario party that yes. <laughs> the fun uh, and it doesn't attempt really any kind of crossover. And that's what I really miss with a lot of these Nickelodeon games. Like there's the cart racers that you have, Neil, mm-hmm. uh, the new one that doesn't really attempt to do any fun crossover. It's just a racing game. Right. And I, that's the one thing I really liked about Nicktoons Unite is that it felt like they were building this 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 Nick Nick universe. This Nick the, the Avengers. MCU. It was yeah. It was like the <laughs> Avengers almost because yeah, the game did have two sequels. Uh, After this game came out, we're going to talk about Nicktoons Battle for Volcano Island, but it also had Nicktoons Attack of the Toy Bots. So they did try to really make this a series, almost like the MCU of the late 2000s. And yeah, so it combines uh, SpongeBob, Jimmy Neutron, Fairly Odd Parents, and Danny Phantom, those being Mm -hmm. the four main, I guess, franchises of Nickelodeon at the time. And it even brought together their uh, their nemesis. And then those nemesis tried to create this sort of, uh, what do they call them? Not the Legion of Doom, but they had another name for themselves. 
Um, evil <laughs> evil Every villain is lemons. lemons yeah but uh it was called the uh, i think it was called just the syndicate but um just a really cool idea of trying to bring everything together it was a short game very repetitive which was <laughs> what it was kind of uh panned for back in the day was I that i could it, see that yeah just repetitive it was just a lot of action like you just beat up all the bad guys on screen short cutscene, do it again do it again for four hours yep. and then it ends but it did have uh, four-player multiplayer, which was a plus. So I can definitely see being a kid in the early 2000s, like you and I were so into these franchises. Not so much Danny Phantom. That was a bit past us, I think. I actually watched Danny Phantom oh, quite a bit. But okay. yeah, it was it was a bit past us, but I remember putting it on sometimes and watching it. I, I like Danny Phantom. It was kind of like a little bit more grown-up uh, Fairly Odd Parents. It was the, same, the same animation. animation. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, it always looks so much like Fairly Odd Parents, so I just watched that instead. But uh, yeah, I mean, a good attempt. And I, I think it's interesting that they made it into a franchise, which I didn't know that all those games were connected. I see these games all the time at video game stores, but yeah, wouldn't I didn't actually ever put together that they were sequels to each other. I, I mean, again, I, I really had fun playing this and um, as a kid and watching gameplay again, I, I see there is a bit of that repetitiveness in it, mm-hmm. but I I... This is a game that I could easily see myself playing today. Nice. <laughs> I think I would have fun doing it because it, it's so cool to actually be able to have these characters interacting with each other and working together and you can play as all four, mm-hmm. which, you know, was just a, a dream when I was a kid. And even now you can't really do like have a lot of games like this. So uh, I, I, lo- I love this game. I would give it like a, a close to a five out of five just because <laughs> it's so nostalgic in my mind. Yeah, just for what it was attempting, I guess you have to give it bonus points for that. That's a good point. There aren't really enough games that do things like this. Like we have we have Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah, I mean like – but Smash Bros. doesn't even have that story where they're all together really. No. It's got that one cutscene. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't think – like Injustice and stuff like that are the closest things I can think of like to doing like these crossovers. And of course the Marvel the Marvel games that we talked about a few uh, few weeks ago with uh, mm-hmm. the Legends. That, that's a great example as well. Just seeing Marvel characters interacting with X-Men. It's a cool yep. thing to do and I don't think that enough, enough – uh, not franchises, but what would you call that? Like license owners? Like we Yeah, license owners. Yeah. yeah like yeah. Warner Brothers owning so many franchises, but only kind of putting them together in that Legos Dimension game that came out in the twenty fifteen era. But anyway, we did get that sequel, Nicktoons Battle for Volcano Island, released about a year later, uh, on October twenty fourth, two thousand six. This one was developed by Blue Tongue Entertainment, published by THQ, also on DS, PlayStation Two, and Game Boy Advance. It's around $25 today. This one got about the same, around the 3 out of 5 range. Uh, it's also known as SpongeBob and Friends Battle f- Battle for Volcano <laughs> Island to our friends in the PAL region out there. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's a sequel to the very first game. You take control of uh, playable characters from the Nick shows. Uh, and of course, uh, we get cameos from several characters from those said franchises. Patrick Starr is here. Uh, Sam Manson, Sandy Cheeks. They're all back and uh, joining the fray to uh, help SpongeBob fight bad guys on volcano island i guess yeah it looks like you can basically just play as you know the secondary characters in the um in the show which is you know kind of kind of cool it's always fun to play as patrick and stuff mm-hmm. uh, but it's um i mean i never played this game uh, i only played unite okay. i didn't know this game existed until this podcast so uh <laughs> it, it looks 
okay i yeah. guess um no all these games look okay that that's the thing is they all just look okay i think that when you think of nickelodeon spongebob especially spongebob games from this generation your mind instantly goes to battle for bikini bottom which is a cult classic at this point yeah. and for us we love the spongebob movie game as well but when you get these mm -hmm. games they're they're not quite there they're just they're just a little bit off the sound is the sound design is off the characters like some characters look really really good and then some look like Timmy Turner. So, um, like, there was one boss fight in this game that I was watching today, and it actually was really good. It was, um, you're fighting this giant Venus flytrap, and you have to avoid the uh, the vines as it's trying to hit you. It actually really reminded me of the boss fight from uh, Arkham Asylum, where you're oh. fighting Poison Ivy. It was almost the exact same boss fight, but you're mm -hmm. playing as SpongeBob, Timmy, and Danny Phantom. Uh, but I was watching it, and it looked really good. Like the actual plant itself was like this cell shaded green plant uh, that was shooting vines at you and whatnot, but it actually looked very well done. And then the characters and the environments around that didn't like, I felt like they put so much effort into this one boss fight and there's only three boss fights in the entire game, including oh, no. the final one. So it's a very, again, short game, four hours at most to beat, very repetitive. This one even cut the multiplayer. So it actually had less than the first game, unfortunately. But there was just certain elements where like the boss fight was really good or certain enemy designs were really good and then everything else was not. Like the very first boss fight in the game, it's just this very rudimentary giant crab fight and annoying as hell to listen to because you're just like shooting projectiles at this giant enemy boss over and over again and it's the same exploding sound as it hits oh, the yeah. giant boss. So yeah, just like quick de design elements in the game that were just lacking and unfortunately didn't quite hit it for me I, I never played these games i just stuck with the spongebob standalone games when i was uh when i was that age yeah yeah that's fair yeah that's fair those ones definitely got a lot more money put into them and a lot more time and effort it felt like at least which um mm -hmm. i still think i think nicktoons they did put a lot of money into the story and into the animation and everything yeah. um especially the first one the first one actually looks better than the second one somehow hmm. uh, just just in my opinion but um yeah it's kind of too bad that they didn't they didn't try more with this. Uh, mm -hmm. It would actually be really interesting if they like tried to do this as a series. You know, that would be even like for again as a kid in the in the mid two thousands, mm -hmm. having something like this, like this as like a limited time TV series would be really really cool. Yeah, I think as we transition to the end of the show now, I think just seeing Nickelodeon games going forward, this is kind of what I want to see is Nicktoons doing this exact idea but expand it like you've got you you they chose four franchises from basically a six-year span roughly from spongebob in 99 to i guess the latest one was probably danny phantom danny phantom yeah in the 2005 2006 era so they, they they chose such a small fragment of their history when they go all the way back to 1979 and they went with yeah. these these four franchises and then nothing else and then we get these these kart racers which are fine for kids i'm sure but like again they just went back to the same well with rugrats spongebob teenage mutant ninja turtles which is weird and uh <laughs> one other one in there hey arnold that was it but it's always like just four franchises it would be such a good idea and a cool idea to come out with this this all in one game that that goes back 30 to 40 years of history where you're playing as spongebob you're playing as some of the new shows that i don't even know about but then you're also going back to classics like ren and stimpy and doug and rocco's modern life and i guess somehow you tie in drake and josh in there or something <laughs> the live action shows uh, double dare or whatever but mm -hmm. almost like how we're getting like hogwarts legacy this year where, where again not the harry potter universe but it's going back in the history of the franchise uh, 100 years before harry was even 
even alive. So if you come out with this game that has franchises from the 80s and 90s and 2000s, you're going to get kids coming in and, and discovering these old shows. Maybe you can even include cartoons in the game. I don't know. But then you're also going to get parents wanting to play the game with the kids as well because they grew up with these franchises that haven't seen the light of day since 1989 probably. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. And um, I, I, I would I would love for that to happen. But I'm almost certain that will not happen. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, something like this, you know, is probably out of reach at this point, especially I'm sure there is a bit of licensing issue with uh, in terms of actually making the games, because yeah. I know that Nickelodeon, as, as we definitely know, Nickelodeon um, likes to kind of license off their products for different licensing for different things. Right. SpongeBob obviously is licensed off to NBC Universal mm-hmm. for um, uh, for their rides and for their theme parks. Right. And I'm sure there's lots of other examples that I can use for that too. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh, the future I think of Nickelodeon games is very interesting because if you asked me maybe five years ago, I would have said we will never see another Nickelodeon game again. (laughs) Uh, I would be pretty dead set on that. But with THQ Nordic kind of popping their head out and being very open to re-releasing games and, you know, redoing them like they did with the Battle for Bikini Bottom and a couple others that they're working on, um, I can see see a Nicktoons coming back. Yeah, uh, almost certainly not in the way that you described it, but uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, it's in some way, like I could see Nicktoons exactly how it is with Unite, but with maybe one or two new characters from other shows or something. Who knows? I mean, Neil, we got Rocco's Modern Life the movie in 2020. Yeah, so like uh, anything's possible right now for Nickelodeon. I don't know. Someone I guess woke up and decided they wanted to license their stuff off. <laughs> Which is awesome, and I'm glad they did. Uh, so I, I I definitely see something coming from Nickelodeon. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Rugrats related. I don't think it's going to be Fairly Odd Parents related. I think it's going to be a Nicktoon style uh, game coming out from them. And obviously, the SpongeBob games I think will keep getting re-released. Yeah, I think we'll keep seeing a SpongeBob game every two to three years, which. They never really stopped SpongeBob games, no. they, which is interesting. They still come out. We got one a few years ago on PlayStation 4 and uh, and PlayStation Vita, I think, which was random. But then we get the, the kart racers and then Battle for Bikini Bottom. So we do get that slow trickle of SpongeBob games too. Yeah, I think you're right. Do you, Mike, do you suggest any of the listeners pick up uh, the games that we talked about today at all? Or do you think these are all probably a pass in 2021 for me i, I still gotta go nicktoons unite that game is really fun it look it still looks good i don't care what the reviews say <laughs> i think that game is a lot of fun to play again in 2021 and it, it just uh, i don't know there's something about it um, again it's definitely my rose colored glasses but it, it there's something about playing as those four characters that it's just so much fun to me and so unique yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying. It, it is an interesting idea and something that we haven't seen really since this generation. Uh, I think that's a great, honestly, I think it. as much as I said that the games don't really hold up and, and weren't great at the time, I think it is a good idea to try and pick those games up just because they are fairly affordable and probably a decent experience that you can have with your friends on a Friday night with some pizza and beers or something. Once mm-hmm. you can actually do that in person again, of course. But uh, I, I'm actually more interested in picking up the Fairly Odd Parents games personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't uh, think I'll pay. <laughs> I don't think I'll pay seventy-five dollars for the two. Um, but uh, just to just to see what the games are like and to kind of just experience the the writing and uh, and yeah. bonus points if I can find the Game Boy Advance versions. I think because those will probably be better. 
<laughs> I'm also down to pick up Rocket Power. Uh, I forgot oh. to, to mention that. Uh, that looks like a really fun game and a bit of an open world game as well uh, for 2002. Very, uh, very niche for sure. So I would be down to pick that up. But Nicktoons Unite is definitely the one that I would recommend for listeners. Cool. All right, Mike. So why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect on episode 38 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. On episode 38... We are going to be talking about Wario games, and that is WarioWare, Wario Land, uh, Wario World. Uh, we uh, there are only two Wario games for the Nintendo GameCube, but we will t- be talking about the Wario franchise in general and how wacky and weird that franchise is. Uh, Neil, have you played those games before? I have. I've played Wario World on the GameCube. It's a very fun game. I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, I've also played the 2D Wario Land games on Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And the Wario Shake It on Wii. I haven't played. I don't think I've ever played a WarioWare game for some reason. I feel like I'm a failure of a Nintendo fan for saying that. I know a lot about the franchise. I love Wario personally. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, Mike, when we did the SSX episode, there we go. It got very hard to say SSX after a long time of, of just yes. saying it over and over again. I think next week saying Wario over Wario, and over yeah, again is Wario, going. To, Wario. It's going to get exhausting. <laughs> but yes, I have played those games. Uh, Wario, very underrated franchise franchise for the most yes. part especially the 2d games but very excited to uh to talk about that with you we're also going to have a special guest joining us retro wolf 88 is going to be coming on to talk about a little bit about wario as well as collecting video games in general mm-hmm. yeah which kind of goes with the wario world uh theme you know so yeah. <laughs> i'm just greedy wario <laughs> <laughs> not to say collecting video games is greedy but it's going to be a lot of fun he has a complete gamecube collection so we're very excited to have him he's on. got all 555 can't wait to hear his favorite one Yeah, maybe it's going to be Warrior World. Maybe. But until then, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 37 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. We're the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Follow us on Instagram at thegamecubepod. Check out our website, thegamecubeiscool.com. Share us with your friends, family, and Doug Dimidome. Tell him that Mike (laughs) says hi. Seriously, though, help us get to 10,000 downloads by the end of February. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Dickelberg. Dickelberg. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Game.